daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. All right, folks, it's the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Thursday edition, August the 13th, 2020. We will always remember 2020 years from now. Um, and uh, I keep uh, reading everything about college football. I think I've been more active on Twitter than I have been in years. Just it seems like something happens every uh, 20 seconds to sound off on, uh, on the message boards, on Twitter, all that. You know, some people were talking about that are in the in the business that, you know, they need to document it and write a book about this someday. And all I can say is I hope that whoever writes the book does it accurately because there's just a lot of inaccurate stuff out there. There's a lot of stuff that's basically opinion um, that, that people are taking as facts. Uh, and it's coming from all angles. Uh, and we'll talk about a player at another school where it's coming from some players, coaches, ADs, administrators. Um, we had a JC and Morgan podcast uh, that I released this morning. We recorded yesterday where Mike and I just talk about the lack of leadership in the sport. It's a rudderless ship uh, in a lot of ways. And we're going to talk about all that. We're going to talk about COVID and if there'll be a season and the topic du jour. The first thing I wanted to talk about, though, is uh, actual football. Um, since it does look like they're at least attempting to still have a season. Uh, practice starts on the 17th, which is in four days, right around the corner. Uh, Gamecocks and all the other SEC schools will be getting after it. Other schools have already started practice. Um, so we'll see how it goes. And we had some news today. Jalen Brooks, the wide receiver transfer from Wingate and Tarleton State, um, came uh on the roster today, so he's officially on the roster for the Gamecocks. Don't know if that means he's eligible or not. Um, I think they're going to petition for him to be eligible and to kind of get, um, you know, try to get, you know, his situation ready to roll as best he can. I made a mistake, I think, on the podcast a few weeks ago. I thought Tarleton State was in New Jersey, and I don't know why I thought that. It's in Texas, in Stephenville, Texas. So um, he went out to Texas from Wingate and then came back. So obviously that's halfway across the country versus, you know, because he's from uh, the Charlotte area, Concord, I think, uh, or that Charlotte area, area around Charlotte. (laughs) I get those confused sometimes. Um, And uh, went to Wingate and then obviously, you know, coming back, you know, he's an hour from home. Uh, and so I, I think getting immediately eligible is, is probably, even with the double transfer, you know, something that he could probably work out. Um, but he's added to the roster today, 6'3", he's 190. Uh, like the film, um, like what I've heard feedback-wise, just as far as who he is as a person. Uh, his high school coach is now at Blythewood. Um, speaks very highly of him, the Gamecocks, Joe Cox. Uh, the new receivers coach got on him. They wanted him. He's a scholarship guy. He's not a walk-on. Um, and is a guy that could help them. You know, uh, I think at the very least, he's going to come in and give it his all. Um, you know, sometimes guys have paths that they go uh, to play receiver or, or really any position, but sometimes you take a different path. I mean, you know, I'll think about two in recent history. Tory Gurley was a prep school basketball player. Uh, who came to South Carolina in his first year of 20, 2009. They didn't want him at receiver for whatever reason, uh, and he sat on defense and then moved to where he's more comfortable. And then Tory Gurley in 2010 was a, 
a big part uh, of the Gamecocks uh, winning the SEC East, and he had a great year along with Alshon. Uh, and then Bruce Ellington, you know, was a guy that was a, a basketball recruit, picked the Gamecocks over Kansas, played for Darren Horn's team, and, you know, it eventually made the choice to go to football. Uh, if you guys ever read the speculation that Spurrier, Spurrier Jr. recruited him from the basketball team, that's a lie. Um, I, I know that for a fact. Um, Bruce made his own decision to do that, and then he ended up going pro in football. Um, so he probably made the right decision. And when Frank Martin got here, he, Frank Martin backed him up on it. So uh, I think that's uh, that's a good story there. You know, Farrow Cooper was a guy that was a defensive back initially. Uh, that lasted just a couple of days. So I think that, um, you know, there's different paths, especially the receiver position you can take. And when you start looking um, about, you know, this receiving core this year, there's a lot of guys like that. You know, there's DeCarry and Joyner, who was a quarterback. Uh, depending on if the Luke Doty thing ends up being where he gets in the rotation, obviously there's Luke Doty, who was a quarterback. You know, Xavier Leggett was a high school quarterback. Um, you know, this guy comes from Wingate. You know, you, you do have different types of uh, uh, backgrounds and stuff. And, and I think when you're trying to search for the best and – you know, make sure you have a group that's six, seven deep that you can go out there and compete in the SEC with. You know, I think it's important to cast a wide net, <laughs> to be honest, especially with this group. And, you know, some of the questions of the guys that are returning, just from a, if you just took it from strictly an injury standpoint, um, you know, or Trey Smith, Chad Terrell, and Ranricus Davis, you know, right off the bat, there's three guys that just have not been able to stay healthy. Um, you know, you have a, a kind of a road less traveled guy with Tyquan Johnson as well. You know, you don't you have no idea what he can do, you know. Um, and the new receivers coaches had five practices with these guys. Now, you know, they from the reports of player-led workouts and things like that, they may know enough. But, you know, you, you look at it and I don't think it's a bad thing for this receiving core uh, to have a, a lot of different guys. And, you know, you let them compete. Competition makes everybody better. Um, and then they compete for snaps and balls and all that. So we'll see what's happening. I mean, you know, I do think that, you know, when you start with Shy Smith, you do have a guy that's an experienced receiver, uh, a guy that, uh, you know, maybe has not improved uh, as much as you would have hoped year to year um, as far as consistently being a playmaker. But, He's still a guy that makes a lot of really good plays. I mean, you, you think about it. I mean, just just last year, which I thought in tw- I thought 2018 was his best year. Uh, last year, maybe not as, as good. Uh, of course, the receiving core was a mess. But, you know, just think about last year, you know, shy the first uh, first play against Tennessee. You know, he takes that, that pass and slant on the RPO and goes 75 yards for a touchdown. I mean, that's, that's big time. Um, you know, the catch he made against Alabama – where Helensky threaded it between three people and he jumped up and got it. That was a big-time play. Um, you know, his first half against Clemson in 2018 was really one of the best first halves by any receiver, uh, I think, at South Carolina that, that I've ever seen. So, you know, here's a guy that's perfectly capable. Um, you know, and then beyond that, you, you it's, it's like the – uh, it's, it's the Riddler, I guess, from Batman. How the question marks all over his uh, 
his uniform or whatever. It's the Riddler. It's like, dunk, 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 dunk. Just, you just don't know. And so, uh, you know, just from a football standpoint, putting everything else we all talk about aside, it's good that Jalen Brooks is on the roster. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that could definitely help this year. Uh, one thing I do know that's, that's indisputable about him and I don't want you know. I, I say indisputable. I'll just say all the signs are there. I'd be shocked if this weren't the case. Is he's going to be a guy that works really, really hard uh, to get on the field? And guys like that, even if like you know they're not the best or the most talented, you know they'll do do they'll do one of two things. They'll either push your more talented guys to be better, you know, so they'll keep them off the field, or they'll end up starting because they're the better option because they outwork everybody else. Um, and it's not like he's, you know, limited, severely limited athletically. I don't think he's limited at all. I mean, you know, a 38-inch vertical certainly signifies explosiveness. He's got good height and weight. You know, uh, he's just a guy that sort of slipped through the cracks in recruiting, and that happens. That's why you have guys that um, play on Sundays that you don't really, you know, in recruiting you never heard of. Um, that That's how you end up with a Hunter Renfro, uh, you know, that – uh, was not a part of Clemson's Ballyhooed recruiting classes um, and then ends up helping them win multiple national championships. So, you know, it, it, there's all kinds of paths to goodness in college football. Uh, there's all kinds of paths to greatness as long as you have the work ethic and talent, um, even if that's undiscovered initially. Um, so I, I think I'm excited about this guy. I think, you know, when you're looking to kind of plug holes and – you know, a guy. You need a player maybe with some experience that's actually put on the pads at the college level, although it's smaller. Not the SEC, obviously. Um, you know, I think you got to start thinking about, oh, this guy. You know, he could help, um, and hopefully he will, because uh, the, these are going to be the best defensive backs definitely he's ever faced. <laughs> so, um, and good. The good news is for Carolina, they got uh, two pretty good corners uh, to match up against in practice and, and Horn and McQuamu, and then you do have. You know, Jamie Robinson, safety that's good, and the other safeties and uh, the backup corners, Dixon and Cam Smith, I think will be good this year too. So we'll see kind of what happens with that. But Jalen Brooks, good piece of good news. He is on the roster. Um, Again, don't know if he's going to be eligible or not. My feeling is as much as, you know, we've seen the NCAA be very liberal with some of these waivers that they will grant it. Uh, if they don't, you know, I think that's just another log on the fire when it comes to the NCAA uh, and some of the decisions they make. I, th- I think people are sick to death of it. And I, I think for years, you know, for years I sort of thought the NCAA got a bad rap sometimes. It was like, well, if something doesn't go for your school, you're always going to be upset about it. But, you know, I, I think just in the in the last two or three years, you've just seen that organization be exposed for what it is. Which is a you know a bunch of of silly people, silly people in control of billions of dollars and you know a, a massive enterprise that uh, people love and, and hold near and dear to their heart and I, I don't know even how much they respect all that. I think it's uh, you know if you've ever seen Monty Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail, uh, after they go to Camelot, they're like, well, we're not going to go to Camelot anymore. It is a silly place. You know, I think if I went to Indianapolis and walked through the office there, I'd probably be like, I'm not going to go to the NCAA anymore. It's a silly place. 
It is. That's the best way I can describe it is silly. But hopefully for the Gamecock standpoint, um, you know, they make the right decision for Brooks. You know, I, I think Brooks deserves to, to get the waiver just based on what I've told been told about his situation. And, you know, even though Nick Muse, they took their sweet time last year, Nick, Nick Muse got the waiver. So um, we'll see kind of how all that works out. Uh, speaking of silly, by the way, for those of you out there that, that are males that listen to this show, and I think a large majority of my audience is, but would you ever? I would never call another grown man silly. I, I just, I, I just don't know that I would ever do that. I, I was, I was talking to someone about that the other day. You just never call a grown man silly. So that, that's a rule for life here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast from J.C. Sherbert. Never call another grown man silly. Just don't do it. It would be bad. <laughs> I don't know, man. You can if you want. You know, to each his own. But uh, that's kind of one of my life rules I'm sharing with you now. All right, so at Florida State, Florida State's got a receiver named Warren Thompson. And Warren Thompson was a Gamecock recruit. Carolina thought they may get him for a while. Uh, Brian McClendon recruited him, did a good job. He's from Armwood, Florida, was a four-star guy. Loads of talent. Hatton didn't really mesh with the former Florida State staff. Um, and now Mike Norvell comes in and, and all the COVID stuff's going on. So Warren releases a statement on Twitter, like guys do, <laughs> and it says, you know, very vaguely that the Florida State staff has lied about his health and others and that there's no leadership, all these kind of vague things. Uh, Mike Norvell responds to it and says, well, it's unfortunate that people did that. You know, we've been very transparent. What is this? It's a back and forth. And, and that just kind of shows you that, um, you know, the world we're living in now with the COVID thing as, as it relates to college football and then the, the overall general, you know, social media college football world, which, honest to God, you know, I've been all over, like I said, I've been all over Twitter more than I have in a long time, just voicing my opinion because I feel like there needs to be some sane voices out there. Agree with me or not, I'm going to use kind of logic and facts and not emotion like some people do. I, I, you know, I wish we didn't have that in the sport. I wish that wasn't such a big deal. But, you know, you're dealing, it's the, you know, even if there wasn't a pandemic, it's the year 2020. You know, this stuff's been around now for over a decade, almost a decade and a half. You know, kids are going to use it. I mean, you're not going to get, you know, a social media ban. You know, times have changed. And so, you know, the unfortunate thing about it is I think a lot of times on on Twitter, and and I always link, go to the, there there was no article with this. It was a long statement. Um, Feelings over facts. Uh, and I looked at the statement. I first I thought, well, you know, because he mentioned how, you know, he was disgruntled about other things, um, and and there was a documented story. He was disgruntled about playing time. He only caught six passes last year. So I looked at it and I was like, well, you know, let's wait for the facts to come out because everybody's oh, not good, not a good look for FSU, not not good, not good. And here's the thing with that. All right, if Florida State is lying about test results of COVID-19 to their players, because Thompson also said, he goes, uh, they're lying to me about the health of others. And while 
you know, the health of others, I think, is an important thing to remember while we're talking about all this um, because the virus is highly contagious. And, you know, you don't want to be working out next to a guy that you used to, you know, that has COVID and the coaches are lying to you and saying he doesn't. And that would be asinine for the coaches to do because, you know, if there's one thing we know, this stuff spreads. What bad? It's highly, highly contagious. So you, you got to stay away from people. And if, if you're a coach, you're not going to knowingly practice a guy with COVID so he can get the rest of your team sick. It's just not, you know, unless you've got some other sinister motives. Now, now, so if Florida State's lying to this kid about his own health, because I, I think everybody else's health is none of his business to a point, you know. You need to just have some trust that if the kid's practicing um, next to you, your teammate, that he's healthy and he's been cleared. And it's none of your business to go check on his test or anything like that. There's laws that kind of prevent them from saying that. And if there is a problem, you've got bigger problems than, you know, putting something on Twitter talking about leadership. So, you know, I think you got to consider that. And, you know, so what are the facts? So if Florida State is lying. They need to shut it down. Florida State University does not need to play football this year. Mike Norvell probably needs to be fired, just to be honest. My dog's barking. Um, And, you know, that's the bottom line because you can't mishandle something worse than being dishonest health-wise with your student-athletes and and having COVID-positive guys in there working out and practicing. I mean, that's just stupid. Um, and I'd be stunned if Mike Norvell, who's a bright guy, was actually participating in something like that, you know, pressure or no. But if that is the case and we get to that, then, um, you know, Warren Thompson's a hero for being a whistleblower, and there's no seminal football this year and probably, you know, not in the spring either. You know, FSU, I mean, that that, that that's the type of thing – that will not only get them shut down, but everybody else uh, that's wildly irresponsible if that's the case. If not, if he just feels that way, because a lot of these guys, too, that have opted out, the, the word you got to look for is, I feel unsafe. I feel, I feel. You know, well, you got to put facts over feelings, okay? Uh, and, and regardless of, of putting facts over feelings and, and, and that being kind of the right way to live your life, I, I do think, because these are college kids, you know, you do have to be respectful of their feelings and their mental health and their mental state and all that, which is why every school in the country has said, if you opt out, you keep your scholarship, everything's fine, we're going to let you red shirt and come back. Period. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the bottom line. If you opt out, we're going to you know let you red shirt and come back. You know, there's no loss of eligibility. You can stay in school. All that good stuff. I mean... So if it's just Warren Thompson feeling weird, you know, he needs to opt out. And and maybe, you know, this is the second coaching staff he hadn't gotten along with at FSU. Maybe he needs to, to transfer, go someplace else, you know, maybe look in the mirror. You know, so that's my take on that. And that, that that's just an example of kind of the lunacy out there, though, because right away – the people that like Florida State football or that want Florida State to play football, they're bashing the kid. And then or the, the, the Corona folks, you know, that, that don't think they should be playing football, they're like, oh, terrible look, oh, my God. 
you know, and then Norvell comes out and defends himself. And, and this is the second time there's been a big miscommunication down there. If you remember during the Black Lives Matter stuff, you know, Marvin Wilson, their defensive lineman, you know, they had to talk to him and stuff. He put some stuff on Twitter. So I, I don't know. You know, that roster, those players down there have been through a lot, obviously. Uh, you can tell by looking at the talent they have versus how they show up for certain games like, oh, I don't know, Clemson in 2018 when they didn't even try uh, once it got to a certain point. Um, that There's some issues with, with motivation generally on the roster. Um, they're, not, they're not the Florida State they used to be. Um, but but they're not even the Bobby Bowden era Florida State where they go out and give you a good game every now and then. I mean, they've got they've, – this is another sign of, you know, uh, the job that Mike Norvell has in front of him if this turns out, you know, that that guy's just feeling a certain way. Um, and if, if he's not and if they've been lying, then, then this may be the end of Florida State football as we know it for the foreseeable future because they, they, they've got bigger fish to fry. Uh, at that point um the ncaa doctors today got on a conference call and of course you know i I was talking to a contact uh very good contact we had about a 30 minute conversation yesterday in college football and you guys know that that for the most part i'm of the belief you know that, that you should do everything you can to play a football season i think it's important I'm not just saying that because it's my job, because even if they move it to spring, I'm fine. You know, I'm telling you, I'll be fine. Um, I, you know, I'm not sitting here down to my last dollar going, if there's not a football season, I'm financially ruined. The Big Spur is fine. I'll continue to yammer on this podcast, other stuff to cover. You know, it's sad because it's been part of my life for my entire life. And it's something I look forward to more than Christmas, just in general, even before it was my job. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's important to me. Um, but it's not important to me for somebody to die as a direct result of it. Now, there are players that die playing football every year on all levels. And it's unfortunate, and it, it just happens. There's guys that die playing baseball, you know. Uh, they're tragic and unfortunate situations. But, you know, I don't think that if, if, if you know, you're looking at it and a player, you know, because you elected to play and, 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 and because of COVID and the combination of those things, I don't, need, I don't think anybody needs to die because of it. Now, can you take precautions to make sure that it doesn't happen? Yes. But, but, but here's where it gets dicey. And here's where, after the conversation with my contact, I, I don't know that it's such a black or white decision, and I, I don't know that it'll ever be. And I think just in time, we're going to find out who is right and who is wrong in terms of medical experts and advice. Because, you know, how in the world, you know, because, because medicine, and, and it's all supposed to be based on facts, right? I mentioned facts over feelings earlier. You know, it's all supposed to be science. Everybody says, the science, the science, the science, the science, the science. Uh, And a lot of times the people that say that usually don't really understand and and get their head out of their butts long enough to understand that, you know, for those of us that are out here consuming the science, the science very often contradicts itself. Um, So so here's the question. 
you know, and, and, and this is not a an opinion or an, I'm not advocating, but here's the question. I think everybody, no matter if you're on team play or team don't play or team virus or, you know, team, you know, you know, freedom. I, I hate to even say that because it has nothing to do with freedom or whatever. Whatever your political views are, or whatever your let's even take the politics out of it. Whatever ever your specific views are about playing the 2020 season, because there are people that are on the right that that don't want to play, and there's people on the left that think they should play. So, so, so take the politics out of it. You know, team play, team don't play, whatever. Here's what everybody needs to think about right now with the way things are with three conferences moving forward, two conferences, not um, in the power five um, school, you know, leagues like the Sun Belt are plowing forward. The American uh, they've already canceled most of D two and the championships. It's all under the same umbrella as the NCAA, which by the way, no, they don't control major college football, but they are, their job is to enforce the rules. Okay, (laughs) you know, if a coach gets in trouble for seeing a player during the dead period, that's not the SEC that gets after him. It's the NCAA. The NCAA controls scholarships, eligibility, all that. So, you know, you're not talking about an organization with no power. Um, And so the question we all have to ask ourselves is or, or the thing we have to admit is this. It's completely illogical, no matter what side you're on, for two leagues to not be playing and three leagues to be playing. Um, And I'll take you to the great state of Iowa. It is illogical for Iowa to say it is not safe to play and for Iowa State to say it is. And that's exactly what's happening. Those two schools are two hours apart. So there are no different conditions on the ground. There's no different in-state protocols in terms of the state government. There's nothing. Okay? So that's completely illogical. Uh, I think what the Big South Conference decided is completely illogical and, and is actually a bad look. Because if it's not safe for them to play a Big South schedule, how is it safe for them to play four quote-unquote money games? which is basically what that was. Oh, you can play four non-conference. Well, those are money games, you know. Some of the schools that are playing in, in Conference USA and the American are going to need some smaller non-conference games to pick up. And Oh, yeah, you can go do that. It's safe enough for you to go make us a million and a half dollars, you know, but it's not safe enough for us to play our conference. Um, and I think there's a moral question that goes into that. I think that uh, – you do have to ask yourself that, you know, um, you know, why, why is it not, you know, that's completely illogical unless it's just all about the money. Um, and, you know, I don't know that that's the mission of, you know, college athletics, although there is big money. Um, and, and, and so, so that's, that's kind of that side of it. I mean, I think with regards to the three versus the two, and I've racked my brain reading into what both have said. Uh, it sounds to me like the Pac-12, one of the main reasons they're holding off is because they don't have the testing capacity like they want. Um, 
you know, because part of the thing with them playing in the spring is, oh, well, within the spring we may have a an instant test or whatever, which is fine because, honest to God, if you can't afford the testing protocol, you know, you don't need to be playing. You're going to get everybody sick. If you can't afford to test everybody and test their heart and take the take the responsibility for, for making sure and screening, to making sure everybody's safe when they're playing, you don't need to be playing. That's the bottom line. Uh, the Big Ten, of course, isn't releasing anything. You know, we 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 feel like, you know, it's it's the it's the myocarditis discovery, and you know, when you read about that, though, it's like it's not a situation where, you know, it's like, well, you know, that's just going to shut everything down. It's like we need time to figure this out or whatever. And I'm like, we. <laughs> You know, you need to operate under the assumption. I mean, and I think a lot of them are operating under the assumption their entire team is going to get COVID when the students come back, and then, you know, that's going to be that kind of risk. Which again gets me back to the asinine decision of you know every sport's operating somewhat in a bubble. Even Major League Baseball, you know, those guys are going home and stuff like that. But you know, after what happened with the Cardinals and Marlins, I, I don't, I don't, I, I think most of those guys are. Masking up and living the straight and narrow, you know. Um, I don't know if you dump college football players into the student body that that's ever going to happen. I don't think it's realistic. So maybe that's kind of what they're thinking. They're like, well, you know, because they're mixed with the student body and because of this heart thing, we're going to have to test every day and, and positives, you know, positive tests, even if they're asymptomatic, may be a little more serious. We need more time to study it, whatever. And then on the other end, I think that, you know, the SEC Big 12, ACC's like, well, we'll just screen their heart and we'll just screen the crap out of them. And maybe the SEC, ACC Big 12 has a better idea of, of bubbling these guys up and are more confident in their protocols to keep these guys safe. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. I think here's the bottom line that, that I think, and this is where medical professionals, student, you know, college presidents, the NCAA especially, and everybody else involved in this thing have failed. Someone needed to come to a determination. Is it safe to play or is it not? That's the bottom line. Arrive at a consensus. You know, if it is not, is there a way to get there right now? If you need time, yeah. I mean, if the, if the Pac-12 had just said, hey, we need more time to expand testing protocols, and so we feel confident about playing in the spring because the thing with the spring is this. The virus probably isn't going anywhere. You know, you're not going to most likely not going to have a vaccine by the spring. And even if you do have a vaccine, it's not going to be readily available to be distributed to, you know, healthy 18 to 22 year olds. That's just probably not the way that works. Probably going to nursing homes first. So. You know, if that's the case, tell us. Because that's more of a situation where, you know, our conference doesn't have our crap together just yet to where we feel safe, so give us some time to do it. And that's fine. You know, that's more of a delay than just a it's not safe to play. Because when you say it's not safe to play, you have, you know, visions of COVID-positive players out on the field spreading it to everybody and then people dropping dead or being hospitalized. That's what I think of when, oh, not safe to play. Okay? 
despite the fact these guys have been in close proximity with each other, working out for a long time, and they're still going to be working out and all that. So, you know, that's that's what I want to know. Is it safe to play or it isn't? And and so in my opinion, and look, this could could change. Um, You know, one side of this is going to be right, and one side of this is going to be look foolish. And I don't know. I am not a medical doctor, nor am I Nostradamus. If I was, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I'd be talking to you from sunny Las Vegas with a cool one in my hand, watching the horse races and winning some cash. <laughs> but uh, I'm not, so I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, after considering everything right now, as a whole, college football is completely illogical. There is no logic to these decisions. You know, on either side, and the fact they're fractured, there's no logic that says Iowa can't play, but Iowa State can't. You know, there's no logic that says it's safe to play non-conference Big South games. You know, um, that that's crazy. I understood the conference only with the Power Fives because of testing protocols and all that. But but there's no logic that says this. And here's another thing too: you're, you're talking about how the SEC is like, well. We'll play as long as the Big 12 keeps playing and the ACC keeps playing. Well, why? Why is it safer if they play with you? Uh, you know, look, Titanic. I'll use a movie uh, analogy. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack, got in the water with Rose. It didn't make him survive. He froze. Okay. Everybody jumping off the bridge at once, you're still, you know, got a chance to, to not survive. So, 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 so it's not safe if the Big 12 says that, if you're the SEC. Or is that just a political decision based on optics? Because that's BS too. That's BS too. If you feel it's safe, I don't care if you're the only league playing, go ahead and play. I don't think people in the South much would care. You know, I, I, I just think that when you look at it, that, that's the bottom line for me. And, and I know there's, oh, litigation, this and that. Let, let me just tell you this. And I know Tom Mars came out or Mears or whatever his name is. He's a big lawyer and said, there's just sharks circling with litigation and all that. And I heard that from my contact, too. There's lawyers out there just ready to go. I, I, I think that if you're trying to sue or litigate against like what college football is. In other words, are these guys employees or do they deserve money, this, that, and the other? That that's a that's a separate lawsuit that I think anybody can bring at any time. As far as COVID goes, you know, for a school to be liable, you know, because keep in mind it is voluntary. There is no there nobody's forcing you to play. Nobody's talking to I me, mean, you know, so a coach would have to literally look at a kid and if he does this he needs to be fired. And say, well, if you don't play this year, if you opt out, you don't have a future of this program. So you'd have to have that. So there's the there's the intent to force to play. Okay, nobody officially publicly is pulling scholarships, and I haven't heard of that. So you'd have to have that. Then you'd have to prove that the player would not have gotten COVID had he not had he not been playing football. So in other words, you're, you're going to have to talk about like a, a in game spread or in practice spread. Which, based on protocol, should not be happening. Okay, and then if even if that's the case, a good defense attorney is just going to be like, "Well, where'd you go before practice? Where'd you go after? You know, can you conclusively say that he caught it there?" Then you have to say that 
because he played football and, and, and because of that, he contracted COVID, and then, then there's some long-term health damage that happened. Um, you know, and I saw somebody today mention, well, if they're generating revenue for the university, okay, that's fair too. Uh, you could mention that, but you know, you got to prove how much exact revenue player Y generated. And there's a lot of players on the team. So how much, you know, and so there's all kinds of things that go into litigation, now, would you rather avoid the black eye? Yes, and keep in mind too, universities are political entities, and they want to avoid stuff like that. You don't want there to be a major backlash against your school, and you know if you're having a football program, you don't want anybody to sit there and think your school and your program are unsafe because that's the number one thing that can really hurt recruiting right there. Besides, like uncertainty and all that, is you start talking about student athlete wellness, and they're like, well, if you go there, your health could be in danger. You know, nobody's going to come to your school. I mean, it's it's going to get tough. So I think that when you kind of look at it like that, you know, th- that is a consideration. But to me, you know, you, you, just by having a football season in general, you know, you, you can't avoid litigation with or without COVID. Somebody could break their neck and, and claim it was unsafe and all that. I mean, it's just – that's just kind of – the nature of football it's risky as it is but i i think though the bottom line with COVID is this it's somebody's making the right call and somebody isn't and right now it's completely illogical and you can't really say who because you have the ncaa sitting there going all right not safe for these guys these guys these guys these guys we're not going to touch y'all y'all are just kind of on your own even though we're supposed to enforce the rules you know call us when you need us uh, and then you have this fractured deal with with a lot of different reasons. I mean, the Big Ten, the Big Ten alone, the fact that they didn't release their reasons why. Now, I'll credit the Pac-12 with some transparency here. They released their document from their doctors. It had a lot of a lot of reasons that were were, were valid in the sense of you know how society has dealt with COVID and, and maybe how things could improve. Um, you know, they also had a lot of stuff with it that I thought was a little bit political, just to be honest, you know. Um, I, I didn't see anything in there that said you absolutely should not play because kids will die or be permanently damaged. Uh, it was all about unknowns and, and, and things will get better down the road, so that's fine. Um, the Big Ten said nothing, uh, you know, which, again, I think is a tribute to them. And then we have the NCAA and their doctors who get on a conference call today and they have all these, like, you know, cute little statements like, you know, we're about to hit the ice. We've hit the iceberg, and we're just waiting to know when to play the violin. And everybody, of course, you know, your your people out there that hate sports, that are columnists, that are sports columnists, start tweeting that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, I think, that the, you know, the lady from USA Today – uh, that just tattooed the SEC and ACC yesterday and said the Big Ten was almighty. Uh, then there's another columnist from the San Francisco Chronicle that said, I'll take the conference with Stanford and Michigan in it. And then somebody's like, well, what about, you know, Duke and Vanderbilt and Florida and all these great medical schools in, in North Carolina that's got a huge COVID research? I mean, you know, they're like, what about those schools? You know, they're pretty good too. Total cultural bias by some of these people, all right, which is a topic for another day. Um, 
And, and so you have those those tweets coming out, oh, the iceberg and Titanic and all that. And then you kind of read deeper into it, and, and the, the, you read the complete statement, and they're not talking about college football. They're talking about how the country has screwed up in general treating the pandemic. And there are a lot of medical experts that will tell you that. You can find a lot of those folks. There are medical experts that, that think, you know, you know, you just look up at the University of Minnesota and the Mayo Clinic, I believe, are both located in the, I think the Mayo Clinic may not be in Minneapolis. It's in Minnesota. So you got a pandemic specialist at the University of Minnesota that thinks we, can, we should shut, you know, shut everything down again for, for 60 days and get it under control. Everything, strict lockdown, you know. Um, and then you have a guy at the Mayo Clinic that says, nah, college football's fine. Go on and play. <laughs> I'm sure those are both very intelligent people. Why are they saying two different things? Um, so the NCAA doctors, to me, just said a lot of garbly gook and really were more commenting on the state of the treatment of the pandemic in our country uh, versus the actual protocols that college football programs have in place and whether or not they'll be effective, which I think is the bottom line. I know that, you know, how we've handled COVID in our country leaves a lot to be desired. It's been highly politicized, whatever. I don't care about that. What I care about is, you know, we're talking about is it safe or not to play college football? Period. End of discussion. I don't want to hear the NCAA doctors' feelings about, you know, how we need more PPE. Uh, in certain hospitals and stuff, I don't. I don't want to hear your feelings. I just want to hear facts. And so that that's another issue today. Um, and, and look, it, it may be that we end up going to the spring, and it may be that all the conferences decide we do need to wait for that daily testing. Um, my understanding is from reading the Pac-12 that it's coming right down the pipe soon. Um, you know, maybe as soon as November. Uh, maybe you need that to, to get through it. Um, I, I think that, you know, that that's the bottom line, too, is that you, you can't be cheap. And I'll tell you this right now, another concerning thing. They may be testing enough at the Power 5 level, but I don't. I, I, some of these littler Sunbelt schools and, and things, I mean, I've heard some, some things that would make your head spin on that. Uh, and then we all kind of wonder why everybody went conference only. <laughs> yeah, some of these guys are just plowing ahead, folks, and uh, that that's not good either. So we'll see what happens. But the bottom line for me is, is it safe or is it not? Right now everything's completely illogical. It makes no sense, um, you know, whether or not you're on the side of the fence that you want to play and you think it's safe and you believe that set of science or, or, or you don't want to play. Um, the bottom line is somebody's going to be in right, somebody's going to be in wrong, and, and you'd hate to be on the wrong side of it and, and something happens to somebody. Um, that would be unforgivable and sad. Um, and, and, you know, if, if, if they're wrong, you know, the, and I say they because obviously we're aligned with the SEC here, uh, if they're wrong, you know, I don't think it's as tragic because – you know, it, it's more about like a competitive advantage from now till the doomsday because you can always point back and be like, hey, the least little thing happens. These guys are going to cancel the season on you. Come to a school that cares about football. And so, you know, that's the upside on that. And, you know, I, I, I would much prefer that and, and to have the Pac-12 and, and Big Ten have to catch up competitively for a little while. 
Uh, and it'll be a little while because those programs, some of them are great, and you know they're going to come back strong uh, and have a bump in the road from a football standpoint. Then you know it looked like the SEC or ACC was. Um, especially University of South Carolina was rushing players back, and something happens that could be that could be not only damaging to a program or a conference, but to the game. Uh, and believe me, there are people out there waiting to pounce on it. That um, I think you know, there's people that think college football needed needs to be reformed and more like the pros, and and I think that's what's been driving the the Corona narrative from some people. Um. But I think there are also greater forces out there that can't stand the sport, that have some political power and some power that, you know, the the, the normal folks like us don't have. Uh, and they think, think the sport is too violent and too masculine. Uh, and because they have a different, you know, obviously, you know, you can get into, you know, toxic masculinity and all that. We're not getting into that right now. But they have a different definition of, of that, um, I'm not saying that if you don't like football, you're not masculine because that's not true. But they they don't they really kind of despise things like that because they have a different sociological view of, of whatever, um, and they'd like to see the sport go away. Uh, and that's a narrative that's been driven kind of above the oh college football's unfair narrative that we're all used to. And quite frankly, that's scary because I think that's. Uh, <laughs> That has nothing to do, you know, getting rid of football has nothing to do with progress. And some of these people, it's crazy because some of these same people that hate football, like, love mixed martial arts. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I don't know, you know. Uh, so, so I don't know about whether it's, you know, masculinity or, or their definition of it. I think it's their definition of it. They don't like, they don't like, what would be considered traditional American masculinity? How about that? That's a topic for another day. That is gets into sociology, and we're not here to talk about that. So anyway, that that's the latest on whether or not they're going to play. Like I said, long conversation with a contact yesterday. Opened my eyes to some things because I was kind of staunch on one end. Uh, we had a good balanced conversation. Opened his eyes on some things too. So, you know, I, I think that the bottom line for me and for everybody out there should be, you know, number one, this is illogical. Number two, it's either safe or not safe. If it's not safe, shut it down. If it's safe, you know, let's roll. And um, I'm hoping it's safe and let's roll wins out. Um, I'm hoping also the SEC releases the schedule in order. I think uh, it's going to be kind of ridiculous. Yeah, maybe they're waiting because they, they released the, the teams one week ago tomorrow. Uh, on fine bomb, so maybe that's what they're thinking about doing is uh, doing that tomorrow or whatever. Curious to see Gamecocks because uh, somebody asked today on the Big Spur. Since it looks like you're going to have football, well, can they get to a bowl? Uh, I think they'll probably have bowls if they can get through a ten game season because they're made for TV events. Uh, I think yeah, but I think when it comes to competitiveness and the football aspect of it, you know, if South let's say South Carolina opens. Let's say they open at Ole Miss, and they're not quite ready. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Ole Miss has some talented players. Um, is Lane Kiffin going to be able to have his team as a first-year coach ready, more ready than Muschamp? I don't know. Um, but let's say they go out there and they lose a close one. 
which could happen. You're opening. You're on the road. It's a good football team. They do have good players. It's going to be Lane Kiffin's opener. You know, Muschamp did beat Derek Mason in, in his opener on the road. And, and then let's say the next game's Georgia at home. You lose that one. And then you turn around and go to Baton Rouge. You're 0-3 um, to start with. And this this group has two things. It has young players or new players that need to get confidence and get rolling. You know, the young players can lose confidence quickly. New, new players in a new situation need to get comfortable. Losing makes them uncomfortable. You know, that that's number one. You know, number two, the guys that are coming back from last year, they need confidence. They just went through a terrible season, an inexcusably terrible season in many ways. You know, um, if Colin Hill starts, he doesn't need to go have bad outings. If Ryan Helensky starts, he certainly needs a good start to the season. You know, Marshawn Lloyd needs to get out there and get his legs going. Uh, Zaquandre White, uh, all the guys they're counting, the receivers I talked about earlier. So, I think it's critical kind of how the first three games are, are, are mapped out. You know, if it were a situation where they just follow the order that they had initially, which I don't think they're going to, and, you know, you got Missouri at home and then at Kentucky and then at Florida, yeah, that's tough. I mean, you, you could start one and two. But I like the Gamecocks matching up in those three a lot better than than maybe you know having Georgia and LSU in addition to like an Ole Miss uh, with Ole Miss being on the road and all that. So you know we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there with the schedule. I, I I hope I hope that it comes out. Um, I hope that uh, it's a deal where you know it's favorable to the Gamecocks. I mean some of these schedules I've seen with other leagues have not been favorable. You know, poor Illinois wasn't even supposed to play Ohio State and Penn State, and they got stuck with them. And then they got to open against the Buckeyes, but not anymore, huh? <laughs> so we'll look out for that, and we'll look out for the schedule. Um, good talk today, folks. Hope all is well out there. Hope you and your families are safe. Um, oh, got some recommendations here before we get off. Uh, as far as uh, podcasting goes, be sure to catch JB and Goldwater. Uh, it's in podcast form. They also stream it every day on YouTube and Twitter. I'm a guest every Wednesday, but they've got great guests all week long. Good Gamecock talk, good SEC talk. Uh, also, the late kick with Josh Pate, national college football expert and video extraordinaire, 24-7 sports. Josh Pate is better than probably have most any guy, probably better than most of the guys on ESPN. I would rank him up there with your Reese Davises of the world. Uh, as far as guys that are just good to listen to that makes sense. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Of course, JC and Morgan with myself and Mike Morgan. New episode released uh, yesterday. And then inside the Gamecocks podcast, you need to go hit that subscribe button on iTunes. That helps us uh, with our numbers and, and search and all that. Uh, and then uh, write a review and uh, leave a, uh, a star rating. If you can, and I do read the reviews, and I, you know, I take the constructive criticism to heart. Um, and if you are out there getting on my page and rate, rating me one star just because you don't like me or whatever, or you're a quote unquote competitor, uh, then you're a clown. Um, all right, that's the bottom line here uh, from the Inside the Game Cops podcast. JC Sherbert, everybody have a great Thursday. I'll holla at you tomorrow. Maybe we'll have a schedule to talk about. Until then, take care.